Hello and welcome to this week's Stats One Podcast with me, James York, and Ted Knutson. Mr. Knutson, welcome to the show. How are you this fine day? I'm doing all right. We've got sun. Yesterday was absolutely miserable, hailing down, but uh, we're working our way into uh, English spring, I believe. Yeah. Which then works into what is allegedly English summer, which doesn't seem to last very long. And it happens sometimes between March and uh, September. Oh, yeah. So you say that, but I think we're into, the future is here now, and we're going to get the summer from like February to November now. Thanks to thanks to I, the I, w- I would accept woman. that if there's sun and warmth. Yeah, I, I think the on the on the flip side, I, I think you know I won't accept it because of the catastrophic effect that it'll have on the rest of the world. But uh, you know, from a personal perspective, if I were that type of person, which I'm not, uh, yeah, you know, England having a, a longer summer would be nice. All right, so we're going to start off today with a lot of different things, and we'll give you the, the running order in a second. But I do have to apologize. Uh, last week, apparently, um, things were a little hotter on the podcast than uh, than I expected them to be. Uh, it, it was pointed out that I kept saying the words intro and course next to each other. And, uh, and certain listeners found that uh, potentially a little more steamy than, uh, than our normal podcast. So uh, we do have introductory course announcement this week. In fact, uh, we, we just launched the new London one, and we also launched the set piece one. Both signups are live on our site as well as Eventbrite. They'll happen in June. Uh, but I do want to apologize, and I'm going to screw up your name, and I, uh, you know, uh, Jola Lar Eigen. Uh, was the person that uh, pointed this out, and uh, <laughs> I thought it was really funny, James. You know, usually we're not hot and steamy, but uh, you just said screw. Week- you just said screw up, Ted. You're doing it again. I mean, <laughs> what's wrong with you? <laughs> Yesterday, I was typing the, the the announcement, and I was very carefully trying not to put the words intro and course next to each other. Just incorrigible, like, oh, you are, Ted. You can't yeah. stop yourself. Anyway, that's what I've been told. <laughs> In the legal depositions that we're not allowed to talk about. The life of middle age men. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't none of it's important. All right, we're move moving on. What have we got today? We've got Champions League coming. Last week we reviewed the games, but that was because we did a Thursday podcast. It's Tuesday today, and we're ahead of time, so we can see it all in the future, all ahead of us. Um, so we're going to talk about that a bit, and then we've we've uh, we've done some research. <laughs> Uh, generated a few charts of uh, some metrics about the place uh, just to talk about some players about you around Europe and in uh, the English leagues and stuff and so, to prove those of you here that we don't prepare wrong because James had to run a script in order to produce these <laughs> charts <laughs> yeah yeah it was uh, it wasn't too hard but uh, we're, we're, yeah, here we are so yeah we should we should probably start off with the Champions League um uh, what we got tonight? We got two enticing looking matches tonight. I, certainly, I want to watch both of these, and yeah. they're on at the same damn time, and I'm not very happy about it. I thought Champions League <laughs> had sorted this out, and they had like an early kickoff, but same, seemingly not, uh, not at this stage anyway. So, uh, Leon Barcelona, we might as well start there. Um, obviously, Barcelona are going to be favourites for this one, um, of course, because they just always would be. Um, but Leon, not shabby in the group stages. Um, shook up Man City a couple of times, and uh, you know probably underrated in, in this tie. Um, it's yeah. interesting. Do you think that do you think that Man City have been better than Barcelona this year? Yeah, yeah, I so like a slightly stronger team, and Leon go toe to toe with them. Hmm. But they're still like uh, you know five point something to one to advance. Right. Uh, mm. So yeah, so like you know slightly less than twenty percent. Um, yeah, I find that intriguing. I'm not going to complain about it. Uh, but uh, So Barcelona are three-quarter goal favorites at Lyon tonight. Really? 
Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I, How do you feel about that? I, you know, I'm not, I'm not much of a better, but I'd, I'd, I'd be more inclined to land on the Leon side. I mean, this is my temperament anyway. I'd, but <laughs> and uh, all, all the, all the shrewdies land on the other side and clean up when Barcelona win three 0 But you know, the, <laughs> my instinct, my, my instinct would be to have a little snifter of, uh, of the Leon side because, um, yeah, they're a good, they're a good team. Got, got. A, an attractive attack and have shown good form, uh, pretty decent in the league this season, and you know not bad, not bad in Europe at all. And I don't know French French league teams always seem to get underrated a little bit. I think you, f- you always find um, I think Italian league teams always get overrated a little bit. It's always kind of get re- respected, but I can't remember who was saying it, but they were talking about playing in France and and people you know, saying that it's not as good a league. And someone was talking about like just how much it wears you down because the whole league is like very strong um, and and like very physical, more so than than like you know many other leagues. And so they were just saying like you you just don't have time and space on the ball and you get battered regularly. It's almost like a, a lower league English in in that element, although the technical level is is still pretty good and and uh, quite high. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I lean lean towards Lyon, lean Lyon. Um, tonight uh just because of the i don't I, that that two advanced line seems like really high now obviously you know barcelona advanced a lot but also like you know it's, it's probably worth mentioning like barcelona's weekend match which i thought was really interesting from a lot of perspective but you've actually done research on it yeah totally they had weird this weird game where messi was like <laughs> the hub of everything um i've written a little thing that's going to go up on the site probably before you even hear this podcast uh, uh, their entire attack went through messi he had like you know had 20 shots and 19 of them were related to messi which is well, we've we've been talking about like over the last couple of years more things are going through messi which is not what you want to happen as messi gets older you would like to have him you know only have to turn that on as necessary but uh, you know this last weekend was nuts yeah, and it was interest, interesting because he gave the ball away quite a lot, and you know people were kind of down on his performance, like in general. But it's just completely without precedent in, as far as um, you know shots and key passes go. Like it, it, twenty shots, and he's responsible or involved in nineteen of them. Just has never happened before. And um, how yeah, close? How close has it happened though? To, to talk about well, like how absurd this is. Well, know- yeah, funny enough, like the sec- if you're looking at kind of like big five leagues and stuff, the second on that list is actually Lionel Messi. Right, obviously. And is this on a percentage basis or a number of events? What are we talking? Yeah, about? so well, like I, I think the simplest way of looking at it is how many events weren't were they not involved in? Right. Okay. And uh, so no one's ever done like over ten shots. No one's ever done like one until this, and he's done it for twenty shots. You know, that's let's look at that extremity. <laughs> and um, first, I think uh, match Barcelona beat Levante five 0 before Christmas, and he was involved. He had seven shots and seven key passes. And uh, they had 16 in total, so there were two that you weren't involved in. Wow! Now, so, so this all all pans pans into this whole idea. It's like, okay, right? So you've got two messy games, like within two months, where he's like the entire <laughs> attack, and he hasn't been this before. You know, he's had games where he's been, you know, Barcelona have had 30 shots or whatever, and uh, he's been involved in, you know, 10 shots of five. Uh, key pass or something like that you know where he's been involved in like 50 or 60% of the shots in the game but not this huge extreme and um, number three number three on the list and you know he looks at loads of seasons of uh, seasons for this um, number three on this was actually uh, Kylian Mbappe for PSG versus Lyon uh, in October 
and he had oh, um, sure. and he was involved I think in 12 out of 14 of their shots he had 9 shots 3 key passes out of huh. 14 so that's great because you've got this little pretender and uh, champion little thing going on there but also yeah it does ask questions about Barcelona and their kind of overall uh, attacking efficiency and I still feel like they, they're working it out how to kind of you know, adapt to life after Neymar. You gotta have you gotta have big kahunas to be um to kahunas rather in the to be <laughs> I was ro- like we've gone to Hawaii. Oh yeah, no, now yeah, we're back yeah. to <laughs> I'm doing this all the time. And uh, to to be in these this Barcelona front line, you know, you you've got to kind of uh, be able to uh play and not not shrink. Um whilst on the other side of the pitch uh, world's greatest ever player is is eating up possessions and stuff anyway there's gonna be a little little thing on the site later but this is one area where kind of the concept of usage rate and final third usage rate for for attackers comes into play and i suspect and we haven't really looked at it because this isn't something we we surface regularly um it's in a, a future iteration we've got coming around some ball progression stuff but um yeah this this type of usage rate stat probably really flags up the the transitional role of Messi. And the question is, like, you know, now he's not young, so how long can he keep this up? And and should he, honestly? Like, you know, this is, this is not great because, uh, you know, Barcelona look like they're going to win the league again. Uh, but, you know, like, that's largely down to uh, the rest of Spain stumbling a bit this year. And then, you know, you want him somewhat fresh, at least, for the Champions League because that's when he really needs to put it on and, and perform. Um, so I don't know. Anyway, so like the Champions League tonight will be very fun. Lyon are are a better team than most people seem to believe, um, not just based on um, their league performance, which is you know kind of consistently good, but you know they've got some some threats. They've got some very good athletes, um, both up front and in midfield, <clears throat> and they they performed well in the group stages. Uh, so the I guess the the blockbuster tonight is at Anfield, mm-hmm. Liverpool versus Bayern. Well, this is, yeah, I mean I, I I'd completely forgotten about this till yesterday. Um, but Virgil van, Virgil van Dijk's out, isn't he? So he's suspended, and that the the, the, the whole narrative around Liverpool, um, which is probably slightly erroneous, is uh, since Van Dijk arrived. Um, so the fact they go into such a huge game without him, and I think they're they're light in defence anyway. I mean, Fabinho might even end up dropping back into there. So, yeah, really interesting setup with without their kind of talismanic central defender, who's who's been part of you know a really fantastic defence over the past year. Um, just opens the door otherwise a little bit for Bayern. Like I I don't want to play Liverpool. Have you said this before? I, I think we said this last week. I don't want to play Liverpool in the Champions League because they're buggers to play against when they want to be and if they really get up ahead of steam which you'd think they probably would I know they've kind of sat off a little bit more this this season but I think probably in the Champions League they're going to go they would go with a kind of the faster harder football that we've seen before we'll see it's the first leg as again we said last week the first legs were a little bit kind of drab uh, in parts but um yeah, not a team you want, you want to line up against. And, and Bayern are kind of... They're still, you think Bayern are kind of emerging from their slump, and then they kind of... You know, they haven't... Still not quite convincing as, as much as you, you, you'd hope from them. Uh, On the know. flip side, still a lot of talent there. Lewandowski is quietly having a great season. Um, slightly underperforming his XG in the league, slightly overperforming it in Champions League. 
uh, I think they have some tough tactical choices tonight, and it'll be interesting to see what Bayern do because it, historically, Bayern as a possession team, uh, Liverpool would love to play them. Like they tend to cut those teams apart, and Klopp's teams have done this for a long time. I remember, I remember Klopp's teams sort of cutting up uh, Champions League teams in. Uh, under Dor- at Dortmund time and, and just like sort of churning through them and actually Hank is kind of did that as well um and but then they switched to to sort of the the Pep Barcelona style and and they it seemed like they became a little bit softer in the Champions League that said they had some very tough matchups in like the the, the late quarters and semis um so like how do you play against this Liverpool team and how how does Bayern adapt a style um you know, in order to to try and succeed, like they definitely don't have Pep style that it used to. Kovac style uh, at Frankfurt quite different. Bayern is kind of a mesh of that now. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm I'm intrigued, and uh, and they they're still very capable of pressing, and they still have a lot of talented players. Uh, Liverpool do too, and that's why it's the the you know sort of the sterling matchup of of this round, uh, or at least this week. What do you think the the two advanced line is? So which which team? Is is a favourite to come out of this? See, I'd have Liverpool, but like I've I've got a funny feeling that the betting will probably be slightly more close to even. It is dead even, in is fact. It? Yeah, Liverpool are favourites tonight. But that's mostly home field, and then the the two advanced line is dead even. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I, that that you know intuitively makes sense. Like, you know, regardless, I personally think Liverpool are the better team. <laughs> but <laughs> well, Van Dyke Van Dyke matters, right? So, yeah, that matters. But I also think that like lines lines will probably move based on uh, I don't know a little bit of like the historical strength of of Bayern. But yeah, it's uh, okay. <laughs> it's uh, it's it should be one to savor that one for sure. And um, yeah, well, I, I think that's probably the game I'll watch. So moving on to tomorrow night, we have Schalke at home to Manchester City. And this might have been an intriguing matchup last year when Schalke were a bit scrappy and, and actually made the Champions League. This year, Schalke are currently in 14th spot in the Bundesliga. <laughs> yeah, we probably don't need to hit too hard on this, this tie. I mean, if Man, City, like, huh. if Man City can't negotiate their way around Schalke, then something's gone seriously wrong there. But um, yeah, stranger, stranger things have happened. Well, they haven't, but... <laughs> I and, Man City have got to be insanely heavy favourites for this one. I mean, yeah, they're they're three quarter or one and three quarter goal favourites at Schalke. Right, and, <laughs> and Schalke are yeah. Anyway, it's a is not expected to be competitive. Um, the the last matchup tomorrow night is Atletico Madrid at home to Juventus. Right, and that's again another one that you just. I guess Juventus have. I mean, they're both two teams that have got like decent pedigree in this competition. Um, Juventus probably more recently. Juventus have obviously got Ronaldo now, who's taking all their attacks and <laughs> killing everyone else's. <laughs> Poor Dybala was stuck there on like, three, the three fla- goals. The flashbacks to the Dybala section of last week's podcast. <laughs> I think. Poor guy. Anyway, yeah, but um, yeah, I mean that's. I don't know. It, it is. It's, it feels like. You know, Spider Man points at Spider Man, but with Ronaldo stood next to one of the Spider Mans, <laughs> in a way. So, um, yeah, I I couldn't really pick him, and would probably just lean a little bit towards Juve uh, because of you know just Ronaldo factor and what have you. But sure. So the the match tomorrow night is basically is is drawn about a zero handicap evens. 
which is you know, the tiniest little lean towards Juventus. And I was like quite surprised that um, you know, Juve are not quite two one favorites to to advance out of this one. That doesn't feel right. Like knowing Simeone's history, knowing that team has been grinding things out and, and spoofs a lot of analytics. Like even even our stuff, like they just. They play a different variety of football and consistently post results. Now, they haven't been as good. They're not like at the height of Simeone stuff. But on the flip side, like this is a guy that always seems to come out and do really well. So it should be a good matchup. Um, the total on that one is is two. Uh, total on all the other matches are two point seven five to three. So like if if you're looking for one to avoid, unless you really like kind of tactical football, that's probably the one. But I I would have a lot of Atletico Madrid uh, were I still professional in this space just because like that line feels like it's not respecting the manager and the team itself who are quite good at this type of football on the flip side Ronaldo they still don't concede goals that's that's the thing you know the, what and they still I mean they're still second in La Liga it's not like they're, they're having an absolute aberration or anything Juventus don't concede goals either hmm hmm yeah <laughs> so yeah, why? Why? How have they organised this? Why isn't one of Leon Barca, Liverpool, Bayern on tomorrow? <laughs> or is... just at six, right? Like you need a six <laughs> yeah. o'clock and an eight o'clock uh, in is... UK times, and we we're stuck with both of the the really exciting ones at the same time. This hasn't been planned, but if it's essentially very well. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Very good to see more Champions League, more quality football, and uh, we'll probably review, review a little bit next week when we get to that. Um, now, what do we have now? Now, I made charts. Charts are fun. Everyone likes charts. Um, rankings. So we, everyone loves rankings. They so get to we, argue about them. <laughs> so you could talk about them and uh, see what's going on. I mean, we've done this before, but obviously a few weeks, of, uh, a couple of months gone by, so little changes about the place. Um, I think the first the first place to start, obvious place to start, is the, the expected goals and expected goals assisted for the big five leagues. So we call this like expected scoring contribution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. And so that's funny enough. This this tunes back into what we were talking about last week because you were you were adamant that there was there was a new, you know, the 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 duo at the top of the top of the um, kind of uh, scoring charts. You know, it's not Ronaldo and Messi anymore. It's Mbappe and Messi now. And you and here we are I'm staring at them to point one of a goal ahead of everyone else and that's that's the new order isn't it you know that confirms what you were on about last week um, and of course Lewandowski who uh, said nice things about it, he's he's just behind then you get Aguero Neymar you can't you can't knock that guy you have to go you have to go quite way down before you get to Ronaldo I'm afraid he's, he's about 10th right yeah. yeah and that's that's interesting you know he's 33 34 he is now and it's still putting up good good numbers but he's not putting up the you know kind of leading Europe numbers that we've had had for so long at least on the expected side of things anyone else on this list that caught your eye Ted it's, it is a good list of stars you have to say you feel like the right people are on this list so we're going to talk through these lists and one of the things that you know even I have a hard time with despite sort of variating in numbers for the last five six years is um, sometimes like things look somewhat low you know you're just like a, a number by itself um, in a vacuum, you, it's hard to tell like how comparative that is, if that's good this year or not. Like Things vary around Europe. But the reality is the entirety of the transfer market is a competitive market, and it's all relative to everybody else. Can we get the best player in our 
price range to do XYZ? Uh, do we have the best players in the league? You know, like that's that's really what what you're looking for. And in a vacuum, you know, say say scoring were to completely drop off or to go much much higher, like all the numbers would still continue to look weird. But the comparative numbers always end up kind of making sense versus each other. So um, I, I one number that that I kind of looked at that you flagged up, but I've, I've been following all season is is Wissam Ben Yedder, who was in my first. The first couple of weeks that I ever wrote about player stats, Ben Yedder was in there. I think it's like 2013, early on. Um, the Max Cruz era when I was writing about it. And Ben Yedder was at Toulouse. And I said that he looked like a really interesting young player. I think he was like 22, 23 back then. Um, that you could get like on the cheap because the transfer market was much cheaper back then. You're looking at probably 2.5 to 5 million, something like that. He has been great at Sevilla. He was great towards the end of his Toulouse period, and he's just continued to perform at a really high level. Almost no one had heard of him until he moved to Sevilla, and, you know, the Monchi era when they just kept fighting guys. Ante Rebic was a guy that got some some play in the, in the summer because of the World Cup. He's he's on this list at, at Frankfurt, who are also quite interesting. And then Jovic, who's had rumors that you know he's already lined up for one of the, the giants uh, from Frankfurt, only 21 years old. He looks like a future superstar. Uh, he's sort of the, the bottom half of that list. But you know, the, the bottom half of this list is also very clustered. Like the, the difference between you know the 10th and the, the 20th is 0.74 expected goals or assists per game. And then you've got Memphis in 20th at 0.66. And that can change pretty quickly based on sample sizes, whatever. Yeah. Um... Who else did we have on there? Yeah, Mem- yeah, Memphis. Yeah, he's still people. People like you know. You think that's the guy that you know flops out and Man United. Well, he's he contributes plenty. You know, he's, he comes up pretty well when you look at these kind of things. Musa Dembele goes from Celtic, uh, and and everybody thought that he would have a, a pretty good profile. He's now one of the young stars at Lyon, and he's also on that list. Uh, basically, same spot as, as Luis Suarez and Eden Jaco. Uh, Suarez, you'd say, plays in a in a tougher league. Italy's tricky this year. It's hard to tell like how difficult the league is because it's got a lot of. <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's just a weird season for for Syria. Funny, enough, we can switch to the. We've got a list of young players here as well, which I, I think. Um, what I thought was interesting about this is um, you've got you've got kind of like I you know maybe three or four tiers of players here. Like Kylian Mbappe's like on his own, <laughs> like ahead of. Um, Gabriel Jesus, who's probably got enough minutes now to like kind of qualify for, onto these kind of lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's at like kind of 0.84 xG xG. He's right tested. with Sergio Aguero. Yeah, um, which is is promising, isn't it? Because he went through a spell where he didn't score many goals, but it looked like his his expected uh, rates were fine, and he, he started to catch up a little bit. And then you get Dembele and Jovic, who we just talked about. And then there's a big gap, look, because they're on about 0.7, down to kind of 0. 0.5, 0. 0.55. And you've got uh, Sancho and Rashford, who we find there. Uh, so that's encouraging for those guys. And then after that, it really kind of tails off uh, quite quickly. And I think this 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 is this kind of harks back to your point a moment ago about how you know a number in isolation might not look very impressive, but when you Put it in context. Suddenly, it's a little bit better. Like someone like Kai Havertz at Leverkusen, he's on 0.42. Now that splits up as like 0.29 expected goals per game and 0.13 expected goals assisted. Sounds 0.42 is in the whole league. It's okay. It's fine. But then when you realise that he's 19 years old, and that ranks him at like say was it 16th in Europe of players under 23. 
And it's like suddenly it's like right, okay, that's extremely promising. Like yeah, you know the the sixteenth, the twentieth uh, best young players in in the top five leagues are only like kind of registering like point four um, expected goals con- contribution like per. Well, and, and Harvard's played on a, on a team where the first half of the year their manager was pretty conservative. They didn't have a good first half. It'll be interesting to see how he does under under Peter Boss. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the boss man cometh. Man, I mean, you've got to give that a quick shout. Like they took over a thousand passes at the weekend. <laughs> made over a thousand, and the centre backs with. Um, I did know Jonathan Tarr's leg could move that many times in a yeah, match without falling off. Like two hundred passes or whatever it was, and that's that's. You know that's that's the realm of the central midfielder. That many passes, so so like finding centre back, finding a style that's got centre backs making. I think um, I can't remember who's playing alongside. But they got like 180 passes. Or something. Obviously, they're passing to each other. But um, yeah, some some wild stuff going on there. Is one one to watch. More odd statistical outliers. But yeah, so this, this young player list has got some kind of interesting types on it. And um, two like, Roma t- kids. Mm-hmm. They just pass the ball to Jaco apparently. <laughs> yeah, that probably that probably helps. <laughs> but yeah, Dayton David Brooks at Bournemouth was one of the like there aren't many kind of Premier League players on, on this. They kind of mulched the top five leagues together and Brooks kind of pokes his head up at the bottom. Diogo Jota, uh, at the bottom of it for a very conservative uh Wolves team in the Premier League, who obviously are gonna survive, but again, you know, knowing knowing the style is a little bit helpful there. But um I think Gab Marcotti did something about uh lack of um or is it lack of young strikers in the kind of scoring charts um, across Europe? And this kind of feeds this kind of feeds into this because you don't see a huge raft of like young players looking like they're they're you know racking up goals or expected goals. I mean, a lot of these players on this list have got a reasonable split between kind of expected goals and their expected goals assisted. There are cre- probably more creator types on this on this list than you would see on say the. Um, you know the main list, which might skew a little bit more towards expected goals, as you'd expect, because generally more expected goals are generated than the assists, because not every shot is assisted and such. There you go. Um, so one thing to be aware of, though, is that we are in an era of almost unprecedented golden age of scores, right? And because we have that, those guys are going to have longer lifespans and continue to to get the spots at, at the top or second tier of teams too. So like, you know, even a Cavani or, you know, uh, I'm mean, very clearly uh, um, uh, Lewandowski and, and those guys like Luis Suarez as well. Those, that tier hasn't rotated out. They've still been really good and they're entering their, their sort of early thirties. Um, you know, Sergio Aguero is also 30. Gabriel Jesus is right there, you know, but Sergio Aguero is still really, really good. Cavani's 32. Even Dries Mertens. I mean, Italy has a longer profile typically anyway, but Dries Mertens is 32, still doing very well at Napoli. Um, so yeah, I, and Dzeko's 33. These are, these are older older guys that are doing quite well. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's also a level of conservatism, right? You know, if you're, if you're an older manager, maybe you've got guy that understands the tactics a little better. I don't want to replace him with the 23 year old. Um, because, but I, I think both of those things are competing against each other. There's more pressure in football now than there has been before though. And, and that level of pressure will naturally, uh, cause most managers to put the slightly older players or ones that are, you know, they're sure of their level of performance. Uh, that's a, a air quote sure 
uh, versus the the more uncertain younger player. I should I should just add in a little a tale of caution there because these these ages are rounded to the to the season. So if some, before someone goes, eh, he's not thirty three, he's thirty two. Um, <laughs> that's the, that's the function of how I pulled he's it out. Thirty two until he's thirty three. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to go down that route. We just don't want that to happen. <laughs> don't want anything to do with that. Right now, let's have, let's have a quick, let's have a quick look at the championship because uh, you know let's, we 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 can serve m- many masters here with our with our charts and um, let me see what have we got now again that's that's a kind of like um, uh, you know it's a steady mix like point five is, is decent in the championship there's, there's no doubt I mean point five point five expected goals contribution is decent anywhere but you know if you if you see your guy with uh, like kind of third of a goal uh, third of a, third of a goal expected per game and then you know uh, making it up to 0.5 with some expected goals assisted he's probably a reasonable standard for that league yeah. and um, I'm trying to think who jumped out well we spoke about Harvey Barnes um, before and obviously he's, he's now got a chance at Leicester which was, is, is good to see because you know that, that certainly uh, the form of his first half of the season at West Brom like meant that you felt like he'd have a chance Um to contribute at a high level, your your boy Tammy Abraham's on this list still. In fact, uh, he's only, he's he's in seventh in that league. Still proving that you know wherever he kind of lands, he he's got output output in him. Um, so let, let, let's go down the list first. So people probably won't know this very well. Uh, Billy Sharp at Sheffield United and Neil Mopai uh, lead this list at uh, 0.67 expected goals assists. They're basically together. Mopai had a great start to the season. Brentford then struggled a little bit. Um, you know, like the Dean Smith era, had the, the the one consistent bit about Dean Smith's you know reign at Brentford was that they were inconsistent, and uh, and then they hit a, a big injury trough as Thomas Frank took over, and and my understanding is that caused a lot of issues with the team performance. But now they've been pretty good, and Mopai looks great. Billy Sharp's continued to perform, and seems like he might be ageless at the championship level. And the third guy on the list is the one that we constantly get requests for, <laughs> who's Timu Puki. At, uh, at North City, I think he used to be at Copenhagen, and he's kind of been all over and performed fairly well in in almost all of his leagues. I looked, yeah, no, I looked. Um, I, he might come out of um, Germany too. I looked at him quite recently, and it was like, why? Well, how did they find him? He was a bit of a an interesting one. Really performed well this season, and you know, one of these. You know, one of those pat on the back transfers. I think you know where, where it all goes could, right. Could be like, Pucky, by the way, Timu Pucky. I yeah. And it's uh, like P- Pookie is a Garfield's bear, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not sure. I know my Garfield knowledge is a little bit rusty, but David Goldrick is in fourth here, uh, a bit behind them, tied with Kamar Roof. Kamar Roof was a guy that we tried to buy at Brentford, and we were pretty close. He was he was at Oxford uh, United at the time in one of their their good seasons, and the question was whether somebody from League Two could translate to the championship without too much of a problem uh, we were impressed enough by roof uh, initially i kind of disregarded it because like league two is a pretty big gap but roof was so good down there along with uh, calum O'Dowd, i think who has been on a couple of these lists too um we tried to get him and, and league leads just outbid us uh so that was, but the sixth guy on the list is, is saeed ben rama uh, who's come in and, and been quite good at Brentford. Brentford typically ends up recruiting very good attackers. Uh, ben Rama is the first one that has a, a sort of lean towards the the uh, assist side. Yeah. Um, Abraham right there with him. Camille Grosicki at, at Hull, uh, also a lean towards the assist side. Nick Powell, who's kind of been well-regarded for ages uh, down at Wigan. Uh, they want him to stay healthy. Um, 
sorry, up at Wigan. Uh, Harvey Barton down the house, now in the Premier League, and probably will stay there. He's definitely good enough to play. Calvin Robinson, Lee Gregory, Bradley Dack uh, from from Blackburn. Dwight Gale fallen off a bit from his, his past heights. He used to be easily one of the top two in these lists every time we come down to the championship. Um, so he's at, a, at basically half a goal of scoring contribution a game. Uh, Shea Adams, Hal Robson Canoe, a name that I haven't seen in a long time. <laughs> Uh, and then the the one that, that everyone will have seen this weekend is Dan James uh, of Swansea, and he's 19th. Um, there was a goal that he had this weekend where he just ran away from the entire Brentford defense uh, as part of the the FA Cup match, and he looked like he was a, a world class sprinter there. <laughs> yeah, just uh, looking at this this list, like I did a little bit of work on League One in the summer, and seeing Nick Powell and Bradley Dack, who both had excellent seasons in League One last year, actually like you know being completely fine in this league. It's not a huge surprise or whatever, but it, it you know it's it's encouraging that you know that translated quite effectively because they were probably I don't know two of the best two of the best three five players in in the League One last season. And Should we segue to League One? Then? We could segue to League One. Now I'm not going to pretend that I've, I'm really up to speed with League One this season. Um, uh, what can we say about this list? Again, a similar kind of rates like. Uh, Top twenty is kind of expected goals contribution it goes from between point six and point four five. Again, it's interesting you don't you don't have these you know, massive you don't tend to have these massive outliers as at the top um, as I guess parity kind of sets in a little bit of of team quality. Well, and you'd also say there's some selection bias in there too, right? Yeah. Like the the fact that the best players are generally scooped up and and brought up to a high level. Like Carlin Grant was bought by I think Huddersfield, right? Right. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, he's he's moved on. Um, Kiefer Moore and Collie Woodrow are both near the top of this list uh, at Barnsley, who it look like they're one of the top two teams in the league. Elliot Lee as well. Ivan Tony is a name that's been around for for ages. He's on there. Kiefer Moore is um, interesting because he had a very good start uh, start to last uh, season in League One and was bought by Barnsley. <laughs> in the championship and then obviously they were relegated and now he's back in champ- uh, in league one and performing exceptionally well in league one uh, yeah he's, he's kind of gone full circle on that so Brett Pittman of Portsmouth is on this list formerly of uh, Bournemouth a long time ago uh, so staying in the south uh, Chet Evans who people will have heard of probably the less said the better um, and then the, you get a, a couple of Burton guys who are interesting, including one that seems like a pretty good creator, but both of them are on smaller amounts of minutes, just under a thousand. So yeah, it's a, it's interesting. Like, you know, there is some bias inside of there, but we think that, you know, at least a few of these guys will potentially be scooped up and brought up to the championship next year and, and probably perform reasonably well, if not, uh, you know, among the best in the league. So we're seeing that more and more now that we have the data, we get to compare across those leagues and, and we do some, some pretty good learning. Uh, I think James put together a bunch of stuff on uh, pressures and pressure regains across the big leagues as well. So we'll talk a bit about that before we, we move anywhere else, right? Across the big five leagues, 1,500 minutes, just to give yourself a nice big sample. Uh, Harry Arter. Harry Arter's the most pressureful player. in the <laughs> So says the list. Uh. So, <laughs> yes. The, the, this is why we talk about this, and this is why we do certain things with adjusting the data to make it make a little more sense. Um, so way, I mean, I don't know, way back, but about five years ago, uh, I spent some time thinking about defensive stats, and I wasn't happy how defensive stats always um, 
you know, had the more defensive teams at the top because that didn't make that much sense to me. Uh, like what happens when Pep's team has the ball two thirds of the time? Well, Sergio Busquets has very little opportunity to make defensive actions because his team always has the ball. And so I was thinking about this and I was like, all right, well, how do we adjust this? And, and I put together this hack effectively uh, that still exists and still actually pretty effective of um, adjusting for possession. <clears throat> we do this with tackles and we do this with, um, uh, with interceptions and you, know, you can do it with any sort of defensive only side stat. Uh, we can and probably will do it with pressures, but like it's fun to look at these lists, at least when we're talking about it, uh, without them. Because like some of the guys that flag up we know have teams that have higher possession and some of them don't at all like Morgan Sanson at, uh, at Marseille uh, who you know, the pressure list goes from basically 30 pressures per 90 down to 26 in the top 20 so like there's a pretty tight gap there uh, weekend at Bernie's Bernardo Silva is on there oh yeah um, you have to note that I mean he <laughs> put up some insane game I can't remember which match it was we talked about it before but like yeah even without any adjustments Bernardo Silva's still in the top 20 on this list yeah and if you watch him you'll just notice that he's everywhere whenever whenever City don't have the ball Bernardo Silva is around it and Pep, seems, Pep seems to love him you know he keeps seeing these little bits of clips of interviews where he's like oh Bernardo yeah he's he's he's, he's really understood the the, the value of him, you know, obviously a technically excellent player as well. But There, like, there, there was this pass uh, clip from, I think, either this weekend or last weekend where Stones smashed a ball, like basically a, a flat ball all the way across the pitch. And, and about 40 yards away, Silva just plunks this off of his chest, gently cups it, and then it sits on his foot, and then he's off again. <laughs> uh, you're like, man, that the level of skill from both of those things, that pass to be that flat and that accurate. And then Silva to just like, two-touch, poof, off I go. It's just staggering. I showed him my boy because uh, I was like, yep, this is what you need to be able to do with the ball. And he's like, huh. <laughs> um, but also on this list are guys like Glenn Murray of Brighton who never have the ball. Uh, Jose Perez, Newcastle, never have the ball. Will Hughes, who we, we quite like and have liked for a long time. Nice to see him having a, a decent season where he's been healthy. Uh, Fornals and Soler, who, who we've talked about on here and also talked about um, publicly as well. Um, but yeah, so that, that's why we do the possession adjustment. The right way in the future might be uh, doing it on a per possession or per 100 possession basis. The reason why we didn't do that was because it's tough to teach that that gap. Um, like basically, we want to bring football up to a point where everybody can understand it and they can kind of understand per 90. Like that one is fairly straightforward. Possession adjusted per 90, it still looks like, oh yeah, if you if you had the ball a normal amount of time, you made this amount of tackles or this amount of pressures. So like it fits together. On a per possession basis, like we've just, we've we've abstracted the level where I'm not entirely comfortable that everyone will get it. Per 90, yeah, it's, it's, fun. it's easy to, to forget now, but like, you know, when you started this and when everyone, you know, a lot of people were involved in the kind of wider community of... Um, uh, you know, football analytics, and then you know, you started Starts Bomb with Ben and Colin and get everyone came on board and stuff. But like, per night, it wasn't normal then at all, was it? It was still, it was, you still have per game things, and you know, substitutes getting skewed left, right, and center because of it. And it's it's very normal now, you know, we, we yeah. incremental moves towards you know, like more ex- advanced stats, as we'd like probably like to call them, not expected things like that but something as as basic as per 90 just just so you can compare apples to apples as best you can you know it might be Brayburns to Granny Smiths but they're still apples <laughs> um yeah but that, that is you know a genuine move in the right direction that's, that's well, happened in the last goals, five six years non-penalty goals was vaguely controversial back in the day too. Yeah, in fact, yeah I had somebody arguing with me I, I think it was last week 
when I was talking about how Ronaldo isn't on those lists anymore. And so I was like, well, look how many goals he scored. I'm like, yeah, he's got so many penalties this year. Like seven, eight penalties, something like that. Uh, yeah, it's it's nice that he's scoring goals, I guess. But yeah, we, <laughs> if you're winning the penalties and able to do that regularly, that's a pretty interesting skill. If you're just taking the penalties, you know, we've seen plenty of goalkeepers who take penalties and are great. In fact, I think the long one of the longest streaks ever of consecutive um, penalties scored comes from a German goalkeeper. So yeah. <laughs> I just like to throw back quickly to Bernardo Silva because it's just this has just struck me as we've been talking about this. Like he's almost like the perfect modern player because he. he you know, really great technically. Um, can contribute goals or um, uh, assists, and is is an insanely hard worker when it comes to getting around the pitch and you know contributing to team shape and pressuring and all these kind of things. He's absolutely primed because in that Man City team, so like David Silva was the one for years who's who's like you know the the quietly underappreciated cog in in that wheel. Bernardo Silva, give it a year or two, and it'll be like everyone will be raving about him constantly. And when he when he's when he's like the kind of king of the team, and some of the older guys have moved on, then people will be like, oh yeah, Bernardo Silva, the hell of a player. And That's true. He's, he's he's absolutely primed in that position to become one of the most fated players, um, probably in the league, and and with some justification because he is quite clearly excellent. So, uh, so the oldest guy in this list is Glenn Murray, still out there putting a lot of pressures in, working his butt off. Uh, but you wanted to mention a guy that has kind of aged beyond the normal move to a big team, uh, but is still putting up like great numbers. And I think that was Allen. Yeah, Allen, anytime you look at these things, he, he, he seems to come up come up well. It's, he feel, he's, 20, well, he's 27, 28 now, and it feels like he's missed the window. I'd love to have seen him in the Premier League, someone, someone snap him up and uh, see how he'd adapt to that. Because for some years now, he's the kind of guy that's come up well when you've looked at lists of players and think like, mm, he looks to have an adaptable kind of skill set. And, um, well, I guess if... Um, I guess if Sarri makes it through the summer, maybe he'll end up at Chelsea. That could that could happen, couldn't he? Seems to like his his former charges, but yeah, he's again, he's, he's, he's someone that is again just quietly heralded as a as a real talent. But you know, you always feel like um, just like see more of him, and that's my own ignorance. I could watch more Serie A if I so desired, but. There's only so many hours in a day, Ted, you know, come on. Yeah, so pressures are a basic thing, uh, but the the difference in the pressure list and the pressure regains list is actually quite intriguing. Now, there are confounding factors in a pressure that turns into a regain, but basically the concept behind a pressure regain is uh, someone has done a pressure, and then after that, your team regains the ball within a period of time. And I believe it's five seconds is kind of yep. like what we've hard-coded onto this. Um, and and like it really kind of illustrates the point of what a pressure is supposed to do from a theoretical perspective. You're not really supposed to win the ball back. That's not what we expect you to do. We expect you to add a degree of difficulty to the opponent's action, whether that's a dribble or a pass or, or whatever, uh, potentially force them to get rid of the ball, and then destabilize that possession because everything is more difficult. And um, the the gap between these two, like there's an element of does your team press well? And there's an element of, you know, are you good at pressuring at the right times to in order to, to generate turnovers? Both of these things are important. Um, and, you know, as we get more tracking data, it'll become like more obvious, like where the credit should probably go. Uh, some of this is systemic effect from the team that you play in. But the list is different enough and intriguing enough that, that I, I think that it, it's actually really cool to go through. I think, yeah, just to highlight into two categories I see I see on this list of uh, the players that aren't on the other list. And two are like kind of like 
one of them is the kind of defensive um just the kind of more defensively inclined midfielder type and then the other is uh more of a kind of like attacking midfielder type that you might not really quite understand exactly uh how their role uh fits it in with this but you've got players like thomas muller and and held di maria in that list and they weren't on the, the volume list but it's interesting that they probably they probably uh, they're probably both veteran, high-class players that probably understand systems and uh, can. And we know Mueller is, is very bright, and, mm. and so like you know you you expect that if you're doing it at the right time or whatever, maybe you're a little extra sneaky. The old man game, as we like to yeah, <laughs> like yeah. to say. But also on this list are Casemiro and and Angolo Kante, probably yeah. probably the two two best pure DMs uh, in the world right now. Even if Kante isn't playing there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then you also Matuidi was on the list, and Wilfred Ndidi, who always comes up like was huge, like any anything related to defensive volume, like much like much like Conte used to. Um, anything related to defensive volume, Wilfred Ndidi just like has big numbers. And well, the thing about this that was interesting is he's got like more minutes than nearly everyone in the, on this list as well. So it's like, it's, it, and again, these aren't adjusted for possession. Mm. These are just the pure numbers, and so that's when it becomes intriguing. If we possession adjust these, like you'll probably see a bunch of like Pep and. Um, you know, maybe some Napoli, some high press teams, possibly Paris, but like Angel de Maria coming up on here was a big surprise for me. I didn't expect that at all. Yeah, well, someone someone's got to do the work in behind that, <laughs> behind the attackers. <laughs> I guess, but yeah, you wouldn't Not really. They're just going to anyway. It was him. Maybe maybe <laughs> Angel de Maria is like I have to do everything in my power to to uh, to maintain my position in this team and you know just be the first bench guy or you know whatever it is fill in when Neymar's out he's probably Kevin Monette Paquet uh, I think just went down with a, an ACL injury and is out for the season or something like that uh, but he's third on this list Ismail Benasser at Empoli um, uh, we we like a variety of Benasers around the stats bomb offices uh, <laughs> and he's one of the good ones yeah this um, guy he's been high on this list all season so yeah yeah uh, Perry Pons uh, at Hirona also another one um, so like Rodrigo uh, Hernandez Cascante at, at Atletico so like there's a lot of good number or good guys on here like again I think I think it was Dustin former stats bomb writer Dustin um, Saturday on couch was suggesting that that the pressure stuff or pressure regains aren't that valuable i can tell you for a fact that at the team level like it has dramatically changed some transfers over the last year uh from our customers either in or outbound uh having this pressure information uh, sometimes it's you find an attacking midfielder that's actually having a much bigger impact on your team than you expect and so you you bump up uh, their value because you wouldn't necessarily see that while watching the game uh or sometimes you know like you're the guys that you like, you know, you find that their work rate on the defensive side might be a struggle. And and a lot of times the press, I mean, most of the time, actually, the press starts from, from the top. The destabilization starts from the top. And if they're not willing to, to do the hard work in order to help out with that, then the system doesn't operate as well. One thing that I wanted to mention about this pressure information is it, it, it does flag up how different um, Liverpool have been this year because uh, Firmino's dropped a ton. <clears throat> Yeah, and he's been he's been mostly healthy. It hasn't been an injury problem. They're just defending differently in a lot of cases. Yeah, maybe it was a little bit presumptuous to suggest that they'll go hard tonight. But you know, no, I, I the, think they might. I think they might be saving themselves for this. I think that that might be more of what is what's going on. That's the thing, isn't it? I think I think there's, there's been this idea. It's like, yeah, Liverpool aren't. They're not going so quite so crazy early on because they're gonna go crazy later. 
<laughs> and I wonder, wonder if it'll actually happen or if they'll just kind of like, no, this is how we play now. We're a little bit more. Or Wait, more James. Cautious. Did you almost have a take there? I've, Was got, that a- I've got loads of takes. I swear <laughs> I've got loads of takes. Contrary to uh, everyone's everyone's opinion but anyway no uh yeah i've got lots of takes what was it what was my take yesterday harry winks is the new Modric. I, that didn't go down well in the office but I, I i went with it i didn't think that was bad you might be right you and just stared at me blankly he was like don't go there don't do that <laughs> anyway you anyway. not necessarily a spurs fan either so <laughs> yeah it was good fun all right okay i think we've done everything ted that's good we've, we've covered our topics yeah, uh, reminder that our London courses are open and signups are up right now. Uh, last time when we put the bath courses up, the the introductory course filled within five days. So if you want to be part of that, we did double the space in the introductory course for the London, but London's a lot bigger. Um, so if you want to be part of it, uh, sign up. And the set piece course is live, and I've had a lot of inbounds from professional teams who are uh, interested or actually have signed up already to send coaches to that. So um, you know, we will potentially run these more uh, depending on how, how quickly they fill up. But you know, if you want to be involved in that, I, I suggest not waiting because we don't know. Like, there's no extra space that we can add to, to the venue uh, and we don't know when they're going to disappear. But when they're gone, they're gone. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening to Stats Bomb and uh, we'll be back next week. Enjoy the Champions League. Cheers, mate.